1: We go. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound three six three six. Friday edition sees our regulars the Reverend Dr. Sh- uh, Sherry de Novo, minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and the former NDP MPP for Parkdale, High Park. Sherry, welcome.
2: Welcome, and it's a great day for Talk Radio, John. Thank you
1: for that, Sherry. John Capobianco, Senior VP, Senior Partner, and National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. How's John? John's great. Thanks, John. How are you? Likewise. And Michael <laughs> Giles, government apparatchik, 30 years, uh, currently Chief of Staff, the Deputy Mayor, and a bylaw. Michael, welcome.
0: I'm glad to be here. I'm a little envious. I heard you were at the Super Bowl, and that's completely ruined my day.
1: Well, I thought it would have made it because you guys were here last week, but I wasn't. That's right. All
0: right. It was a super time,
1: I must admit. Uh, And you know what's funny? Because uh, when I landed at the airport, I did notice there were several people who were donning those masks. Mm -hmm. Now, such is, I guess, the feeling of apprehension. Uh, We didn't have them, but, I mean, a lot of others did. And now when you've got all kinds of things sort of supplanting the original narrative, for example, uh, the numbers are far greater than anybody anticipated, mm-hmm. and they're growing on a daily, if not hourly, basis. We just brought a bunch of our own people home on a chartered plane, actually two. There was an American flight as well that took some of the spillover. They're in Trenton for a two-week quarantine. No... Uh, well, how about the cruise ships, John? Like, there's
3: actually the yeah. cruise ships that are now being docked and are quarantined. There's, like, what, 60 people Princess, that, are, have yeah. been, that have been sort of diagnosed with it. The, the largest sort of uh, diagnosing of the, of the a coronavirus in an area uh, on those cruise ships. I, can you imagine being on that oh. on a cruise And ship? they're in
2: lockdown. They can't leave their yeah. rooms. And if you've ever been on a room in a cruise yeah. ship, that's, <laughs> I know. So that's a cell. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting, they're though, in you cell. say yeah, it with
3: the masks. Because so, the masks, you see a lot of them here in Toronto, obviously. we've you know, But, but seeing them in the U.S., though, as you said, I think that's actually newer than 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 before, I think.
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't know if people are being alarmist or whatever, but uh, then you've got this story most recently where the guy who blew the whistle initially ends up dead. Now, whether it was the coronavirus or because he was, that information was suppressed. The Chinese authorities took him aside, uh, made him sign a confession that it was all lies and made up, fanciful and blah, 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 but he's dead. Uh, And it makes me wonder if in fact the Chinese authorities are being open, honest, transparent with all of this, uh, about the breadth and scope of this emergency, John Capobianco, can we trust them? I, I I don't know. The short answer is I don't know. I hope
3: we can. I think we know. Obviously, given what's what happened with SARS, um, what t- twenty years ago, I guess at this yeah. point or so, uh, you'd think that they even got better, that he got smarter. But John, every time you hear something that's coming out of China and and this this incident about this the guy that that sort of died now on this issue, you start wondering how much and and what well, we don't know that we don't know that they're suppressing, and that's the scary part about this because I think there might even be more people in China that we just don't know about.
1: Well, there you go. So you believe they're not being. Tra- transparent and accountable and honourable about things. Sherry DeNoval, would you agree?
2: Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, why should we start now? I mean, this is uh, not a democratic country. So this is a country that harvests organs from its own citizens and, you know, asks families to pay for the bullets that kill their kids. I mean, I, you know, honestly, having worked with Tibetans for as long as I did in Parkdale High Park, I can say, you know, this is not... uh, This is not a regime to be trusted. Having said that, you know, it is kind of remarkable that they responded. And, of course, they can do this because they're not Democratic as quickly as they did. Building hospitals, I mean, we couldn't do that in a couple of weeks. Um, So I suspect the numbers are a lot higher than they've reported. Um, And, uh, yeah, uh, on the other side, though, I think there's a lot of, you know, you know, bleeds it leads a lot of media over uh, reaction to this um as i said before i mean the opioid crisis has taken hundreds of uh, and in fact thousands of lives in canada and yet we're not calling that a, an emergency and we're not putting it on the front pages so um again it's it's uh, yeah yeah they're not telling the truth but are we
1: <laughs> well all right uh I don't necessarily want to, you know, uh, conflate the two, but uh, your point's well taken. There is an opioid crisis it deserves more attention. But here's the thing. Uh, With this guy now dying, it adds currency or immediacy to the story as well and suspicion that even of a conspiratorial nature that the Chinese authorities are doing a running on the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I don't trust the Chinese government. I, you know, and also there's also the possibility that they don't even know the extent to which, uh, you know, people if people are confined to their houses, confined to mm-hmm. apartment buildings. They don't know how, just to the extent of this. I mean, in this story, you know, the, when you hear the, the, the sort of... Um, what the, the, Ch- the Chinese news agency put out when they silenced this doctor, you know, the police call on all people not to fabricate rumors, spread rumors or believe rumors, and to jointly build a harmonious, clear and bright hi- cyberspace. This is like right out of George Orwell. And I, just I, reading that stuff, I realized you just cannot trust them. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose in an interconnected world, um, you know, we ha- we have to obviously cooperate with each other and, and, and do this. But uh, I, I, I think that, My personal belief is that this is probably much worse than than they're admitting.
1: Well, do you think they're maybe trying to protect, you know, uh, against economic devastation?
0: Well, I mean, if they're doing it, uh, that's their objective. They're not doing a very good job of it because uh, transparency would be the best way for them to, to deal with it so people know. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's any way when you look at the basically a large chunks of this country are simply locked down. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be economic ramifications for that. I hear, you know, in terms of oil, they're using, you know, 20 percent less. Uh, oil than, than what they normally use. There's factories closed. You know, they, uh, one of the major car companies in South Korea has actually had to shut down their plants because the supply chain has stopped. And, you know, depending how long this goes, this, that may get much worse, and the economic ramifications for them are going to be uh, even more... And, you know, even other things, travel and everything else, like people aren't obviously going there, so... You know, tourism, everything else. So it, it's going to be a big hit to that economy.
3: It, it just makes it harder for the international community as well, more so I think, John, when they don't know what's happening and, and they're not getting the straight goods from China, because no, I think no one believes what's happening in China. They think there might be quite far worse than it is. So when you're talking about other countries, and now it's spreading so far and wide uh, uh, around the world that, that they don't know what's happening or what's going to happen or, or what's, what's wh- how, what it takes for them to be able to with, withhold the, uh, the, the virus uh, in the respective countries. That's where the damage becomes even more uh, pronounced, especially in Canada, because now we're hearing more and more cases that are happening here, and and you know, and our government is trying to do the best they can as much as the U.S. They've got a task force now that they've they've set up where you know people are looking at trying to
1: trying to resolve this issue before it gets to uh, to their um, boundaries. And yet, Sherry, you were saying uh, maybe we're really uh, getting out over our skis because we've only had five confirmed cases in Canada where people, you know, uh, are suspected of having the contagion. Nobody's died
2: yet. I mean, thousands of people die from flu, and yet people aren't getting their flu shots. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I, again, I, I get I get the concern because of the numbers coming out of China. Um, and I, we should be concerned, obviously, uh, and we should not let SARS happen again the way it did. Uh, but uh, but I I well, think you know we how have it did to, that
1: was because somebody didn't divulge and they came well, from exactly, China. Well, exactly,
2: exactly, and, and I, but it spread person I, to mean, person. Yeah, right. I, but I mean, I, again, I think um, you know at this point, um, yeah, I, I think we're we are getting ahead of it uh, in terms of num uh, of of the fear factor. I mean, and I get that fear sells, uh, and it's uh, and that part I find a little hysterical.
1: Well, I guess, you know, fear is also a credibility issue, and uh, if you don't trust your governments or the people who are really at the epicenter to be truthful or honorable or whatever, uh, therein lies the apprehension. By the way, this has had an impact, too, on uh, the Chinese-Canadian community. Mm -hmm. We've heard, you know, from various uh, business improvement associations as well as counselors in certain pockets around Spadina up in Markham as well. Fewer people frequenting their establishments, not going out to, I mean, Do you understand that? Do you blame people or do you think, hey, get over it and just get out there and continue to enjoy?
3: Well, I would say get, you know get out there and don't let this obviously stop you from, from enjoying it. If you if you want to go to a Chinese food restaurant, there's absolutely cases where um, the Chinese establishments are being, are being hurt by this uh, in, in, in some way. Um, but that shouldn't stop you. I think, you know, Sherry's point is valid in the sense that the numbers that are in Canada, but I think that anything that comes that uh, you're not known about, if flu people are aware of and they can, you can somehow deal with it in some way, shape or form, Whereas this virus, no one knows how they can resolve it. I think that's the scary part. And they don't know if somebody beside you has it or not. Not, but given the fact that they might have come from, from a certain area that might have been detected. But it should, it should not stop your day-to-day um, life uh, and living, because that, that would be a tragedy even more so.
1: Let me just pivot off this point, because we were talking about economic uh, ramifications of this, you know, and uh, the Chinese economy is hurting, obviously, as a result. Just today, I guess it came out, the numbers, uh, jobs created in Canada for January, 34,500. Uh, But last hour, uh, one of our guests was saying that's as much to do with the robust American Trump economy. Uh, Michael Giles, I mean, in other words, should Canada hope for another four years of Donald Trump?
0: Uh, I don't know if I would conflate that. but
3: (laughs) (laughs) Michael's all all over that. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but the reality is that there's no question that we benefit when the United States economy, I mean, they're our largest trading partner. Uh, you know, vice versa as well. So when that economy is doing that well, then of course we're going to have benefits of that. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if, uh, if if I would give all the credit to this, frankly, to Donald Trump, because normally what happens is when you have economic policy that's in, implemented, it usually takes two or three years to work through the system. So some of this is Obama, and I know that's going to drive people crazy, but the reality is some of this is is uh, you know Obama's uh, foreign policy, our economic policy. Don't forget, you know, he took what, over. What did
1: he do that sort not of it. triggered this? Uh, expansion of well, the
0: economy. Who, uh, Trump or, or no, Obama? Obama? Well, Obama took over from, if you remember, he took over from George Bush and probably ha- right after the worst economic crisis the world has ever seen since the Depression, and he actually put in place, you know, uh, the recovery uh, policies and everything else that, that, that helped a lot of these businesses recover. And again, it does take time to go through that. I'm not denying that some of the stuff Trump has done obviously has helped. Uh, my concern with Trump's policy is that, you know, what he did is he's reduced he reduced taxes uh, significantly, which is, I'm not saying is necessarily a bad thing, but he didn't reduce expenditures. Expenditures remain exactly where they are, and you have an economy that's going into debt at a trillion dollars, and that's far beyond what, you know, uh, you can't obviously sustain that debt. So yes, uh, economic recovery is a good thing, but you have to do it in a responsible way, and to be carrying that kind of debt, you know, anybody, I think, frankly, is going to be successful in, 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 uh, uh, in motivating an economy when you can literally just, uh, you know.
1: A lot of it is psychological, though, isn't it? That well. people feel good about uh, investing.
0: I'm not sure if I would use Donald Trump and psychological in the same line. uh, Okay, Uh, no, no. But
1: well, look, if if Bernie Sanders were to be elected, oh my God, right? That that stock market plunges by ten thousand points the next morning, doesn't it? A hundred
3: percent, it would. The stock market would absolutely collapse the next day that Bernie Sanders gets, if he gets elected uh, president of the United States. But look, you know, aside from the Nancy Pelosi speaking points, um, I think that uh, this is absolutely uh, a, a Trumpian wave that that is affecting us and and notwithstanding you know his moral Standings and whatnot, but you know he cut a bunch of regulations, business affecting regulations. But the minute he became president of the United States, which affected businesses, he went to businesses that were threatening to leave the U.S. and said, "If you're going to leave the U.S., don't bother bringing products back to uh, to the U.S. because it's going to be it's going to be taxed beyond." uh," So, and he had a number of businesses that were going to leave stay in the U.S., which kept jobs in the U.S. and that created, I think, within the first year of his term, such a huge business. psychological uplift that people sort of, you know, and it reverberated. And I think that caused a lot of the stock markets to be up and and the economy and the jobs to be up. Now, the thing is, of course, whatever happens in the U.S. happens here in Canada as well, because as they say, um, you know, if the U.S. sneezes, we catch a cold, uh, as the saying goes. But um, what I worry about with Trump is America first and, and the fact that a lot of the things and policies that he's putting in place will affect Canada eventually at the trade level because he wants everything to be to be a Canada-made, or a U.S. made first and foremost. Right. It
0: would be nice, actually, I, if the stuff he manufactured, you know, the clothing lines and the steel he uses in buildings were built and made in the United States, but I guess he'll get to that eventually.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I I would take issue with how well the United States is doing. Um, I mean, if you if you look, as I did in L.A., at uh, mile after mile of people living on the streets. Well, um, that's a democratic there's sanctuary. One, there's, one, there's one thing that the Wall Street brokers are doing well, and it's another thing that the vast majority of Americans are doing well, and they are not. About half of them are living close to you know paycheck to paycheck, and that has not changed. And well, in fact, that's whoa, whoa. become worse.
1: California, right? first of all, the disparity of wealth there, because you got Silicon Valley. Number two, uh, it is a Democrat state. Number three, and San Francisco, Los Angeles, Democrat-controlled cities. Uh, but we're sanctuary talking about it, state.
2: We're talking about, to Michael's point, about the taxation. You know, if you go a trillion dollars into debt and give away a whole lot of money uh, to people who make a lot of money, mainly. Well, um, I mean, yes, you know that there you'll get that disparity. So, and and why I, and don't again, they tax their own? I and mean, again, and distribute let, the wealth. You, we cannot Silicon we, Valley. Well, well, <laughs> we can't um, just you know look at the employment figures that come out of the states as being. Anywhere near factual, either, because oh. there are whole sections of those cities. If you drive into them, um, and we know where they are in Chicago, in New York, in Democrat, L.A. Democrat cities, well, again, uh, under <laughs> uh, under they Trumpian are, yeah. umbrella, uh-huh. um, and you know, uh-huh. uh, you will see people uh-huh. who haven't worked in years, and mm. they. Don't count those people. So I, w- I would question those figures. I would question the the prosperity from the average American's point of view, and um, and certainly that's true here, but to a far lesser extent because I think we're a little bit more honest in our figure uh, figure gathering or. Well, I stat. mean, this is
1: uh, similar to statistics. Canada, you don't believe those stats then either because i mean this is the bureau of statistics in the states that are coming out with these numbers anyway uh notwithstanding all of that hey by the way uh on nancy pelosi ripping up the uh state Mm -hmm. of the union address hero or zero
2: Uh, absolute hero. I I talked to so many women who said, I've stood behind blowhards, including people that I know, um, giving speeches, and we wish we could rip up their speeches. Uh, So Nancy nailed it. I think what she did was a sign uh, that uh, half of Americans agreed with, because what they heard in that State of the Union uh, speech was, as fact-finders have found, a whole lot of malarkey. And uh, so she... But what do you have
1: against a 103-year-old Tuskegee airman? (laughs) And his great grandson, who wants to be a part of the Space Force.
2: Uh, we're we're talking in, about or the child
3: that was born at 21, uh, 21 weeks, I think. I, know, one of those I know. Those were, those were a, a profound issue. Young girl, anyway, eight years of age, Nancy who now gets an education. <laughs> I mean,
1: and seriously, just tearing that all up and tearing it asunder like those wishes, dreams, and aspirations don't count for a whole lot because of peak and petulance on the part of Pelosi. How do you like the alliteration so far? I, I love
2: that's
0: it. Incredible. <laughs> I, I, you must have wrote a speech.